Welcome to the Homilies and Reflections podcast by Father Steve Anderson from Holy Redeemer Church. Well, I won't say this is my favorite Mass of the year because I say it all the time. They're all my favorite Mass of the year. You know what? I think, I think weekend Mass is my favorite hour of the week, easily. And so I think all the Masses are my favorite Mass of the year. But this one has done such a beautiful work in my soul as I prayed through the readings and, and just tried to prepare a homily. And I, I just hope that in some way I'm able to share something that'll help bring alive some of those wonderful uh, encounters with Jesus, really, uh, that I was able to have this week uh, preparing, and I hope you have a wonderful encounter with Jesus uh, in this. Uh, just, this was just one of the most powerful uh, readings for me. So uh, open your hearts and your ears and your mind and just your whole life uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to talk about not just Jesus, but the real Jesus, because a lot of people believe a lot of things about Jesus, and they're not true. And back in the time of Jesus, people had misconceptions too. Uh, even St. Thomas Aquinas, when he uh, uh, had this beautiful, we call it infused contemplative experience, so that's a pretty big phrase, right? Infused contemplative experience. What happened was, after a whole life of serving Christ, of being a priest, of writing theology, he's the best theologian of all time in the whole church. He met Jesus in this beautiful contemplative experience. He met God, and there he was in God's presence. And when he was done, he threw all his theology books in the fireplace to burn up because the person he was writing about and the person he encountered weren't even close. And I would like to suggest that maybe in some ways that person you imagine in your mind and that person you're going to meet when you get to heaven, and I pray that you all get to heaven, I, I, I just think you're going to go, whoa, you're a lot different than I imagined. In fact, this whole heaven thing's a lot different than I imagined, and this eternal life is, is a lot different. Way better. Don't get scared about that. Just way better, and I'm not sure what that means. But a lot of people have images of Christ, and, and uh, today uh, we find out about the real Christ, who Jesus really is. And Jesus asks the question in Mark, and he says, who do you say that I am? And so that's the question God asks of every heart here today. Who do you say that I am? This is literally in the center of the Gospel of Mark, but it's, it's literally the central main theme in the Gospel of Mark. This is what the Gospel of Mark is all about. This week, this phrase, who do you say that I am, is what Mark is all about. And so Mark begins his gospel with the words, the first verse, very first verse, he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so he starts and he just tells us, who Jesus is. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark ends his gospel with the centurion standing at the cross, looking at Jesus, saying, truly this man was the Son of God. And then everything between the beginning and the end of Mark is somebody crying out, we know who you are. You're the Son of God. Sometimes it's even a demon that says, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God the Son of God. And so all through the Gospel of Mark, we're to come to this uh, encounter 
with the real Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so today Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, you're the Christ. And it's like one of the best things Peter did as a disciple of Jesus. He seems like he got everything wrong, but this one he gets completely right. You are the Christ. And so what does Christ mean? Jesus Christ. Christ isn't his last name. His first name isn't Jesus, last name Christ. Christ is who he was from all eternity. Before the Son of God came into the world as a human being to be with you, before he came into the world, he was the Christ. And the Christ was in the whole universe, bigger than the whole universe, created the whole universe, created every galaxy, created every star, created every planet, created every life, everything that is he created. And nothing is here that he didn't create. So that's John 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the Christ right there. Big, huge, universal Christ. And he was with God, and uh, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So he's full of life, and, and uh, today he's going to say, Yeah, but I'm going to go to the cross and die. So life goes to the cross and dies. You know, the Christ who's universal uh, is mistreated and is beaten and is, it is scourged and uh, killed. And so this beautiful image of who he is, he's the Christ, bigger than the whole universe. Can you imagine Jesus, but not as a man? Can you imagine him as the Christ, filling the whole universe as, as God, as the Christ present in all of creation everywhere and just billions and billions of light years away. So he's that big, and he contains all that within him. So that's what it is to be the Christ. But he emptied himself of all that, and he came into this world as a little baby. He took on the form of a human being, became a man, and he became obedient, uh, even unto death, even death on a cross. And so this Christ becomes human. This life goes through death. And this, this um, Savior of the world gives his life for all of us. And so I want to talk a little bit about that, our misconceptions. In the Gospel of Mark, he starts out saying who Jesus is, but right away he shows who he is by uh, his healings, his working wonders for people, his teaching. All those things are done with authority. With authority, he heals. With authority, he works wonders. With authority, he teaches. Unlike the scribes of his day, they didn't teach with authority. He taught with authority. So this is who he is, but people right along began to misunderstand him. The Pharisees misunderstood who he was. The Herodians misunderstood who he was. His own family misunderstood who he was, if you read Mark chapter 3. His his. His hometown, Nazareth, all his neighbors misunderstood who he was. Everyone misunderstood who he was. His disciples in this chapter that we read today misunderstood who he was. (laughs) And for just a moment, Peter gets it right. You are the Christ. And then he gets it wrong again. Uh, And so uh, everyone misunderstood who he was. And so we want to just in our hearts say, God, those misunderstandings I have of you, I have of Jesus, 
I want you to encounter me so like Thomas Aquinas, I can know who you are. And knowing you, I can have eternal life too. So Jesus said, yeah, I'm the Christ, but here's what that means. It doesn't mean I'm going to become the king of Israel, conquer the Romans, and just uh, make Israel great again. It doesn't mean I'm going to do those things you want me to do or you think that the Messiah is supposed to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to set my face like flint towards Jerusalem, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to be put on trial. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And then on the third day, rise again, and Peter rebukes him, and he rebukes Peter And he says, yeah, not only am I going to do that, but you're called to follow in my way. You're called to give your life for the world too. You are the life of the world, just like I am the life of the world. A lot of times us modern human beings, when we talk about Jesus having to go and die on the cross to give his life away, we think of this old-fashioned image of the gods of old who were angry and needed to be appeased And so we had to do a human sacrifice or an animal sacrifice or some kind of sacrifice to appease an angry God. But I was thinking about uh, Jesus, the real Jesus and the real, uh, his real father. And I was thinking about the heavenly father. I'm a father too. And uh, I was thinking about uh, me and my relationship with my boys. And I tell you, for those of you who are fathers or mothers, uh, there's not anything you wouldn't do for your kids. And if your kids are in danger, if somebody's holding a gun to them, you're going to step between that gun and your kids because it's just going to happen naturally. It's just going to happen instinctually. You're not even going to have to think about it. You're just going to put yourself between them and danger. That's what we do as moms and dads. One day, I was, uh, we were in a new house. We had built a house. Yay, finally done. We moved in. We had two bedrooms upstairs, one for Cindy and I, one for the baby, one bedroom downstairs for our 10-year-old Austin. And uh, uh, he was down there, and we're new in the house. We're not used to the sounds and in, in the spirit of things that go bump in the night. Uh, we, uh, we heard, we were sleeping, sound asleep, and we both heard this big, huge noise, like someone just busted in downstairs. And my son was down there. And uh, while Cindy was trying to say, what was that? I was already out of bed, wearing God's knows what, not even running down the stairs. I slid down the stairs like I was sliding into second base. And I just popped up like, like, a, like a base runner. And I ran into Austin's room, no one was there. And uh, I'm looking at myself embarrassed and, uh, and thinking, wow, what if someone was there? What if someone had a gun or a knife or something else? Or, or what if I was in danger? It never occurred to me not to slide down those stairs and to get into Austin's room uh, before someone else could do anything that I couldn't live with. That's the natural way of what God does when he comes into the world. It's not a God who needs to be appeased because he's angry and mad. No, that's not what that is. It's a father, our heavenly father, sliding down the stairs, saying, I'm going to get between you and anything that puts you in danger. 
I love you that much. It's the God who's the prodigal son's father who says, it's necessary that I receive my son back and forgive him. It's the God who goes after the one lost sheep when 99 are still there. It's necessary that I go after that one lost sheep. And so why Jesus goes to the cross is out of love. It's the best image of love we can imagine. It's the same exact image that you would do if you were there. For your kids, for your spouses, for anyone that you love, you're like, yeah, I'd do that 10 times out of 10. God would do that 10 times out of 10, not to appease an angry God, but to save a people that he loves more than anything else in the world. And so it really is all about that. And then I was thinking about a lot of times in theology we'll say, well, Jesus was baptized. Why? He didn't have any sin. Why was he baptized? And so we say, well, what he did and when he was baptized, he opened up the waters of baptism to be holy, to be a sacrament for us so that we could be saved in baptism. He went through that so we could go through that. And that's why Jesus went through suffering and death too, so that in all our suffering, he can be there with us. In our death, at the time of our death, he can be there with us. And we can say, I'm not worried about this. Jesus suffered. I, I got this. I'm not worried about dying. Jesus died. I got this. I was listening to a spiritual director today, and uh, not mine, but a, a, a guy who's real spiritual. And he said, you know, life doesn't really have an opposite. And I'm like, okay, I'm interested. What's, what, what's he going to say? He said, life doesn't have an opposite uh, because death is just trans, a transitional thing. It just transitions us from life here to life there. <laughs> we never even lose consciousness. We just transition from life to life. And so there is no opposite of life. So when Jesus goes through death, he just goes through that transition that all of us have to go through that, and we'll all transition. But here's what else Jesus went through. He did the baptism for us, and that's why he did the dying for us too. So just like our baptism now holy, now our deaths are holy. And then he was... Um, beaten, he was imprisoned, he was poor, so that all those who are poor can know that God was here with us poor. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he ate, he drank wine, uh, he had friends, he grieved, he cared for people, he loved people, he was scrutinized, he was ridiculed, he was abandoned, he was left alone from all his disciples, they all left him, he was, he was betrayed, he was all those things, mocked, laughed at, made fun of. So whenever we go through anything in this life, he wanted to do all those things, not to appease a God. He wanted to do all those things so that he could experience everything, so that you could know whatever you're going through, you can go through with the real Jesus. The real Jesus did these real things, suffered really, because you live real lives. That's why we want a real Jesus, because we live real lives. And all those things he encountered, we encountered. And he makes these things now an opportunity for us to say, yeah, Jesus did that too. He'll be here with me. Once I was really hurt, something happened. I was at seminary, and, uh, you know, people can be mean or hurtful, and, and I was just hurting, and I went to the chapel, and I was praying, and I'm like, God, I hurt. And I thought I heard God say, good. And, 
It was almost like he was in the room. And because I looked up, like, what? Uh, Good? No, it's not good. I really hurt, and I don't need platitudes. And, of course, when you're in a chapel and you look up for God, you look at the crucifix. And I'm like, oh, that hurt, didn't it? I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you know what it is to hurt. And God says, yeah, I do. I do know what it is to hurt. And I'll hurt here with you until you're done. And we'll be together. We'll just go through this together. And when you're done, I want you to help other people who hurt. I want you to go out there and be able to say, yeah, I've hurt too. And I'm, I'm, I can pray with you or we can get through this. We'll go through it together. Yeah, that's why Jesus went through things so that he could help all of us. And that's why we go through these things so we can help other people who go through all these things as well. And so, yeah, um, Christ had to go to the cross, not because of some dumb theology of an angry God. God is love. He did it because God is love. (laughs) And God wanted to experience and go through everything first so he could guide us all through it and love us all through it. Jesus is worthy because he's the lamb that was slain. He was the Christ who fills the universe, who became one of us and went through every indignity and every joy so he could go through with us every part of our life. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He cares about what you're going through. Invite the real Jesus into your real life situation so that he can bring you that life, that love, that peace of knowing. Yeah, the real Jesus. The peace of knowing the real Jesus. That's our faith. No longer the Jesus we learned about as kids or in Sunday school and made up in our minds or what other people thought, but the Jesus we can encounter as real. What a wonderful, wonderful Christ, our Savior. What a wonderful faith we have.